Welcome to Forge Comics. Your one-stop shop for discovering more about comic book characters, stories, and general analysis of these epic tales. So join us on this journey across mediums and multiverses to learn more about the amazing world of comics. I'm Trey. This is Jojo. And I'm Petey. guys welcome to forge comics thanks for coming back how you guys doing good 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 pretty excited for today's discussion so yeah doing doing well like this topic has been a long time coming i feel like in our initial podcast we were like oh we should talk about anti-heroes one day (laughs) and it never came up again (laughs) well it's come up several times we just never like sat down and said hey you know what yeah our listeners deserve this as a fleshed out entire podcast issue. So we're going to be changing up the format a little bit. We hope you enjoy it. We'll still start off with some comic news. Pete, what do you have for us? Yeah, I've got a few different things. Some good news, some questionable news. Um, We've got two new animated series that have been announced by DC. Um, We've got a new Batman kind of noir animated series they're doing. Uh, It should be interesting because it's got Matt Reeves and JJ Abrams are both and JJ Abrams are both involved with it. So that's always a good a good team up that should be cool, especially with the Robert Pattinson version of Batman coming out soon. I imagine this is going to be a similar feel to that. We also have a new Superman show called My Adventure with Superman, which is going to basically take place in Superman's beginning days uh, with him, Lois, and Jimmy Olsen. Kind of, it's going to focus more on like an action comics type thing, which basically means they're going to be focusing a lot more on the day to day of Metropolis, which I think will be cool. And then in other news with DC. Uh, WB is no longer underneath AT&T. Discovery has bought them out. Uh, So maybe with some new ownership, we can actually get some good movies, hopefully, keeping my fingers crossed, but not very hopeful. So Is that that big of a change? Uh, AT&T basically doesn't want to deal with WB, and I get it because WB is awful. So I think Discovery is going to give it a shot and see if they can do things better. So I don't know how much of a change it'll be. I mean, Discovery is not exactly an entertainment. They're just kind of the overhead that helps supply the funds. So I, I don't know what to expect. It's kind of too early. They haven't signed the official paperwork, but it's, it's definitely in there and more than just a rumor. Interesting. Um, we also have the Green Lantern HBO show that's going to be coming out in the future. They've casted, well, there's rumors they've casted Finn Whitrock and they've also casted Jeremy Irvine who will be playing Alan Scott. And it'll follow the more recent comics where Alan Scott is gay. So that's pretty exciting. I know that in this HBO show, it's going to be um, a lot of various Green Lantern characters. It won't just follow one specific Green Lantern. So, Yeah, I'm super hyped for that show. I think Same. there's probably some really cool character dynamics that they can have between. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of different personalities on among the Green Lanterns. So I'm really excited to see a lot of them get the CGI time, the budget, the screen time, all of that, that Ryan Reynolds character didn't really get. And then, then they kind of fell off into oblivion. So I'm probably, I'm pretty sure John Stewart's going to be in this. So I'm, that'll be the, I'm sure he'll be the lead. Could be wrong though. All right. And then your weekly Fortnite update, Fortnite issue three of the Batman zero point issue dropped. And if you're a fan of our fight club matchups, this one's actually pretty sick. It is Batman versus snake eyes from gi joe and it was actually awesome and what's interesting about it is 
is this snake guy's a mute? I think he's, I don't think he speaks, but, but it, what's something interesting about the Island that they're on in the Fortnite universe is none of them can speak. It's pretty the cool dynamic of how these two characters would fight. And then they almost like, as they fight over and over, it's like a groundhog day type situation. They develop like a respect for each other. And instead of being manipulated, they start to work together and it's pretty sick actually. So if you, if you like watching mashups, crossovers, characters fight each other, pretty interesting. Plus I thought it was very interesting to see that Batman had an exact equal from the GI Joe universe. Yeah. I would not have seen that coming. So that's cool. Uh, but snake Eyes is pretty highly regarded. He's also got a movie coming out with Henry Golding. So yeah, that'll be exciting. Okay. Well, awesome. Um, there's no other news. We'll kind of move into the, the big section that we've all been waiting for, which is our discussion on anti-heroes. So we're excited to get going on this and I kind of just want to dive right in. Uh, so I'm going to turn the time back over to Trey, let you talk a little bit about um, kind of what you want to discuss with the, the classic definition of, of an anti-hero. So what's really interesting when you discuss the concept or label of anti-hero is it's impossible to actually discuss an anti-hero without discussing heroes. And that, that may seem obvious, but it's important because it even comes up in the definition. So, so by definition, an anti-hero is a central character in a story, movie, or drama who lacks conventional heroic attributes. Over time, we've seen the definition of an anti-hero be a lot of other things. It's a guy who, or girl, sorry, who does good things when it benefits them, but not out of benevolence. It's been guys who are kind of evil, but not super evil. But when you look at that definition, and it, and this is this is classical. I mean, this goes all the way back to Shakespearean, Greek writing, Odyssey, the Odyssey, the Iliad, all of that. It's a character who's basically the protagonist and does, in a lot of cases, heroic things while lacking those conventional heroic attributes. So what are those attributes? I mean, I think we can all picture them. The main ones that come up, you know, when you when you start to dive into this are bravery, conviction, courage, uh, honesty is a big one, moral integrity, protective, selflessness, confidence, and just an overall strength. So by definition, an anti-hero is the protagonist of a story who doesn't have some or all of those traits. Now, what does that look like to you guys? I mean, can you guys think of anything off the top of your head where a character might be missing one or two of those traits, but still be an overwhelming hero in 99% of situations? I mean, I think in modern heroes, it's hard to even to classify that because if every hero has all of this, then it's it's a boring story. And that's what's so. called a paragon hero. A paragon hero is someone who embodies all of these things and none of the other stuff, which if you've been listening to us for a while, we describe frequently as extremely boring. And typically you will hear that followed by the words Captain America or Superman. Um, no offense, Pete. That's, and you've you've disputed that, and that's fine, and I respect that. And uh, I don't need to go on a spiel right now, but exactly. I'll just politely disagree. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's but the idea is those are more of the paragon heroes who their personality traits. There's not an internal struggle, right? So this does leave characters who maybe are missing one of two of these, but are overwhelmingly heroic. Like I would make the argument, and others have done it before that that based on this definition, Spider Man sort of fits into the antihero role. He's missing some of those heroic attributes he's missing that overwhelming confidence uh some of the other things you know he's a little insecure and there's a little more in inner turmoil but that doesn't mean that this definition is perfect just by looking at what makes a hero and saying if you're missing one of those things you're not necessarily a hero you're more of an anti-hero but 
let's say you've got a hero who does the right thing, but maybe he's a liar or a thief or he, you know, typically in comics, if he's smoking, that's typically a thing that they do to illustrate someone somewhat self-destructive and has strayed from that kind of paragon hero realm. Does that have, are you guys familiar at all with this definition? Did this come up in your research and in your, your personal encounters with antiheroes? Yeah, it's actually interesting that you brought up um, the Odyssey because Odysseus, one of the original, I guess you could say one of the original like anti-heroes in literature, um, his his biggest thing is the, the internal struggle, right? And those flaws that he has of being bloodthirsty or being selfish or all of these attributes. And then, yeah, I think the biggest one was that internal struggle and the fact that you you bring up Peter Parker and Spider-Man like that's that's in every story that's the biggest that's the biggest thing but if you were to do a poll 99 out of 100 people are going to say that Spider-Man is a hero that he's not an anti-hero right and so this subject is very subjective and it depends on perspective and that's why I think it's so compelling to talk about it yeah, I think it's a really good thing to for sure talk about. I also agree that it's a good definition, but it's not a complete definition. I think defining an antihero by a simple definition, like as if it were Webster's Dictionary, is a hard thing to do because I think the roles of heroes, antiheroes, and villains have become a lot more gray and the lines have kind of crossed and become more fluid. So I think it's definitely a good way to start off the discussion because this is what it was in the past. It's not necessarily what we see in today's comics, though. So I agree. I agree with the meat of what you said there. So the idea being, I, I would say the, the exact words, verbiage, application of this definition may not be super accurate. But I think what it does is it says, OK, anyone who does not meet this black and white vision of a hero or a villain falls into this anti-hero category if we had to define a hero we had to define a villain we've got those two categories and anything that comes in the gray is going to fall into that anti-hero matter and 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 as a result of of comic book readers and movie fans wanting to see more flawed heroes on screen we've got a kind of a media right now that that does portray more of the inner struggle more of the insecurities of some classically paragon-esque heroes but basically the definition of this of anti-hero says Antiheroes are gray area. And the re I believe the reason that they're so popular right now is because most of us fall into that gray area somewhere. Once we're insecure, sometimes we may struggle with bravery. We may not have the confidence we need. We're going to have flaws and see those flaws in ourselves that, that make it difficult for us to identify with someone who's just purely heroic, that just embodies perfection. That That's not relatable for most people because most people are very aware of their of their flaws. So if you need to go further into this discussion, which I believe is the whole point of what we're doing today, I would break it down into, into kind of four different categories. You've got methods versus motives and actions versus attitudes. And what that does is that creates kind of a, a spectrum. All right. So you've got, what do you do versus your attitude while doing it? And you've got, how do you do it versus your motivation? Right? So let's look at one of the main combinations, you could have someone who does heroic actions, but has a bad attitude about it. I would venture to say that that's like a Wolverine, right? And by definition, Wolverine may fit the anti-hero definition. I actually would argue having read quite a bit of Wolverine 
that's not a bad characterization. He's a pretty flawed person who just happens to be on the hero side in 90% of his encounters. You've also got someone who does bad things with a heroic attitude, right? You've got uh, heroic methods, but maybe unheroic motivations. You could be doing it for the wrong reasons. You could be doing it out of spite. You could be doing it to get back at someone who did something to you a long time ago. You have these kind of gray areas and it becomes, what are you doing? Why are you doing it? How are you doing it? And I think that allows us to categorize characters a lot more easily. What about a hero that kills people? That's not inherently a bad thing, but what if I told you that that hero really, really enjoyed killing bad guys and his name was Deadpool? (laughs) That is all of a sudden a lot less heroic than someone who just kills bad guys. Would you, would you agree with that? Yeah, for sure. I think these four main combinations are a really good way of classifying it because it does kind of cover every type of type of antihero and their actions and why they're doing it. Uh, I think it's a really good way to kind of start things off because in the end, everyone we discussed today is going to fall underneath these actions to some degree. Yeah, and it, it makes it interesting because the whole point of creating this these worlds and creating these characters is for people to relate to them and, and to find something right that that can connect to our humanity and so just as these characters fall on different grades of this scale we each fall in different categories what what we do what's our motivation in doing it are we inherently good are we inherently bad do we habitually do good things so does that make us good we live by different standards and moral codes so just as these characters are kind of all over the board on this scale, so are we as humans. Yeah, I think it's a great, I think it's a great point. And I, and I think because of the extremes of comic books and other mediums, we we're faced with something that's called fictional moral absolutism. And that seems like maybe kind of a complicated term, but comics and movies exist in these worlds where morals are so absolute. Good is good, bad is bad. Anything in between is neither right but that space in between is getting bigger right more and more characters should fit into that there's only so many captain americas there's only so many people that exemplify all of the heroic characteristics do good things for good reasons at all times right and then there's only so many bad guys that are just bad guys just to be complete a-holes because it's fun and because they like hurting people right almost everyone else fits somewhere into that gray area and it's almost unfair to just use the word anti-hero to sum up all of those characters. Yeah, off of that, I think our purpose for today is to figure out, okay, that, that old definition worked maybe 20 years ago, but it doesn't work today because now you're covering characters like you said, Peter Parker. Peter Parker isn't a perfect hero and Daredevil isn't. Um, we've got a lot of these characters now that don't fit underneath that, that Paragon hero but we're still technically as, as that definition defines, there's technically going to be an anti-hero. And on the opposite spectrum, like you said, we don't have the extreme villains either anymore. We've got villains that are, we're trying to relate to more so that we can enjoy their story just as much as we do the heroes. So now those lines are so blurred now that the idea is to take, okay, if we have a spectrum that's from one to 10, whereas it used to be here, there's 20 heroes at level 10 and 20, he- and 20 villains at level one, and nobody's in the middle, now we've got some that might be on two, three, or seven and eight, and we're trying to bring 
okay, where does that classify? At what point do you fall right in the middle as an anti-hero? Right, because it's hard to even to compare Deadpool and like the Punisher, right? Like to to put them in the same category, I would I would push the Punisher closer to a villain, villain tendencies than I would Deadpool, right? Even though Deadpool does enjoy killing. Um, so yeah, just adding to, just adding that as an example to what PD was, was talking about. Yeah. And I think if you take, you know, you guys can see this chart here. If you take Punisher and you chart him, I would say you've got unheroic methods for a somewhat good reason. And, and, and I think you would find that he skews much closer to villain than hero. And, and there's a decent argument that he's not even an anti-hero. I, I would make that argument. We could have a full podcast where I tell you that, where I argue that the Punisher is not even worthy of the term anti-hero, which I think is, is kind of what makes this conversation really interesting. So with that in mind, that's kind of the classical definition. That's kind of what we're working with here. So the question is moving forward, what can be done to kind of redefine anti-heroes in comics because the reality is as it stands right now most characters fall somewhere in that spectrum and very few fit the extremes of hero and villain yeah which is kind of bringing us to the next idea that you mentioned which is redefining the anti-hero so in modern comics we have to establish a few different things that are typically associated with a modern anti-hero uh, one of the first things with that being, as we talked about earlier, is the motives. So as I was doing my research, I was thinking about some of the motives that, that an antihero may have. Um, I was trying to think of who I would kind of take as my, my poster child or my golden boy for an antihero. And for me, it comes back as Red Hood uh, because he's one of the most beloved antiheroes in the DC universe. And so when I think about his motives, it's usually going to be associated with revenge um, it's going to be associated with a love for fighting. Um, and the, these are some of the motives that you see with some of these comic book characters. Uh, whether or not he's doing good things and killing bad guys, um, is his motive a good enough reason for uh, maybe not following um, the code of heroes that's kind of un, unsaid? Um, so the question that I want to ask you guys is what kind of motives define um, an anti-hero? What motives are justified by a hero and which of them puts them into more of the anti-hero category? So when talking about the motives and how they define a hero, villain, or anti-hero, it brings me back to probably a show that I didn't overwhelmingly enjoy, but honestly makes a perfect resource for this discussion. That would be the Falcon and Winter Soldier, which we have fleshed out here a lot. But I, what I think is interesting is you, have, you see several variations of anti-heroes and very maybe one pure hero maybe two but but the majority of the characters fit the anti-hero mold and, and specifically look at like carly and you say okay motivation is good wants to help refugees so where does she fall on the rest of the scale and you look at what's the method right and the method was downright awful i mean it was awful it was borderline it was villainous right so so the only, if you judge her purely on her actions, you would, you would class, classify her as a villain. And if you judge her purely on her motives, you would probably judge her as a hero. And fortunately, you can't really evaluate either of those two in a vacuum. You have to take them together. And when you 
put them together, my instinct is to say, okay, which one pulls stronger? Are her motives more noble than her methods were evil? And I would honestly say no. I would say she skews strongly towards villain. And that may be a that may be an unpopular opinion. Whereas, again, bias showing all the time. That's because I'm human. I, I look at John Walker and I see because he's another example of an anti-hero as is baron zemo and i, I mean you would fly would flesh out all three of them if we had time you look at john walker most of his methods were good he obviously had you know a couple bad moments obviously and his motivations were good but the methods skewed into kind of into bad and that places him outside the realm of of, of a hero also if you go back to that traditional definition which I'm not personally willing to throw the, the traditional definition away completely because I think it fits John Walker really well. He does a lot of heroic things. He's the character, main character in his own story many times, but doesn't have all of the heroic characteristics. He's a little bit selfish. He lacks confidence. He's not even keeled. And it works really well if you say Captain America is the Paragon hero who exemplifies everything. And then you've got his 90% knockoff. You know, there's like a 10% difference. He's 90% Captain America, John Walker, but he's missing the even keel. He's missing a little bit of the selflessness and he has anger issues. And I think that's what drops him from Paragon hero down into that anti-hero. And I think this whole conversation makes a lot of sense when you can make that comparison. But yeah, the mode is still good. I think it works really well for characters like John Walker, where it's it's so cut and dry where you can say, He's just like Captain America, except for these two or three things where it doesn't work is for characters going back to what we've already talked about for Peter Parker or for Wolverine, where uh, they're not you're not comparing them from something else. If you're saying they're not the perfect hero or they're not, but that's the idea. The idea is that they wanted characters to be humanized. So if every hero that's not a Paragon hero is now an antihero, then it, it, it kind of screws over the entire idea of heroes versus villains because now we've got heroes throughout the entire spectrum and then we've got people like Frank Castle who can claim to be a hero when they're out murdering people just because they're still living in a PTSD state. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a captivating discussion to have and I do think the methods versus motives and how they tie together is the best way of defining someone as a kind of an anti-hero or not uh, to a certain degree. For example, talking about methods, there's a discussion I've wanted to have regarding anti-heroes and it's about their willingness to kill. So this is something that bothers me a lot in comics and it bothered me about Falcon and Winter Soldier. It bothers me about characters like Wonder Woman. It bothers me about there's certain characters, heroes, some of them even Paragon heroes, I would argue for Wonder Woman that I still think would be willing to kill people. I think any hero that is born into a warrior type setting or a soldier setting would not have a problem killing someone. I'm not condoning or saying it's a good thing to kill someone, but if one woman saw a bad guy and they were murdering people, I don't think she would hesitate to kill them. So does that make her, does that willingness to kill make her an anti-hero now because she's willingness, she's willing to cross a line that like Superman won't cross or Batman won't cross? No, I mean, she she killed several people in the new Justice League cut, I think. And I would I actually think it's a it's I think it's lazy writing when a hero won't kill. I, I, I get it with Superman a little bit because of that whole cardboard world, this debate that he has in his speech. 
but but for general heroes i would say refusing to kill is kind of a ridiculous trope that over 50 years of comic books just gets annoying yeah right especially because those same heroes won't hesitate to kill an extraterrestrial life yeah <laughs> so anything outside of like human they're willing to kill so then you have to go into the argument will define life and define human and what's the reasoning behind you not willing to kill a human but you're willing to kill another species or life or whatever it, it, it may be right and so I think with what Trey was saying yeah it's it's very tropey and it's and it's lazy and it creates it Batman being being the culprit of this it creates um kind of this tendency to have characteristics to a fault that then actually that's what drives them to kind of madness right that's kind of what drives them the other way so then then you have to go into arguing well how is batman considered a hero just because he's not willing to kill but all of his characteristics that drive him to a fall are really more characteristics that you would attach to an anti-hero yeah and i think the the next thing that it brings up for me is well then why as an audience are we are we bothered by anti-heroes and we classify them by a lot of anti-heroes by how much they are willing to, they're willing to kill. You look at Deadpool comics. He's just, I mean, he's, a, he's an assassin. He's slicing and dicing and murdering people left and right. You get that a lot with, um, I mean, Red Hood too does the same thing. You get a lot of these characters, uh, Suicide Squad as well, villains obviously, but they're fulfilling a role of anti-heroes when they're on that team. Thunderbolts as well when they're doing these actions it does feel like okay these guys aren't as heroic as some of the other heroes but what's your take on that do you guys kind of get that feel too that they're the writers are always trying to make us feel like oh they're killing a lot of people so they're automatically going to not be on that same pedestal i think and it's so funny because you with my research and stuff the most common phrase that i found aside from uh the the words used in the definition of anti-hero was when they would use examples of characters, it would always say, depending on the writer, which basically means <laughs> perspective, right? It's all about perspective. And those writers are giving you their perspective of that character. And so the, as we talked about what is heroes and kind of where this, this word anti-hero comes from and like the de definition of it, the, the other thing that we need to consider is the fact that heroes represent what a society should aspire to be. And so those aspirations aren't always the reality, right? We, we aspire to live in a, maybe in a utopian society, right? Where everything's perfect and everything's good. It's like, that's great. But the reality is we all struggle, we're all human. And that's where the anti-hero falls under in that category is the, the reality and struggles of trying to achieve those aspirations. That's a great point. I think Paragon being the goal, a hero being the goal, anti-hero being the reality is probably the best way you could put it is we all strive to be Captain America, but the best we can be is some variation of U.S. agent because we're not perfect characters and Captain America is not a real person. Now, that's obviously... Um, excluding some of his actions in, in Falcon Winter Soldier, but the comic book version of him is a is a flawed man on a personal level, more more so than anything exterior. To to a couple of the things you asked, Petey, I would argue one that perspective and 
the writers wanting you to buy Batman stuff is really the only thing that keeps him from being officially an anti-hero because he's deeply flawed. He deals in moral absolutes that he arbitrarily decides much like Captain America, only it makes sense with Captain America's perspective because he's basically the embodiment of a country. Whereas Batman unilaterally decides what's best for Gotham while also not doing any of the things that would actually improve Gotham. I mean, as a, as a character, we all know I'm not a big fan, but I think this gives me a chance to kind of explain why he doesn't have a lot of these characteristics that a classical hero would have, and yet gets all of the, the, the credit of being a tropey classic hero, but, he, but he's not. I think killing is an easy way for them to create doubt in your mind as to where a hero lies. I don't think killing... Like for Deadpool, I don't think killing bad guys makes him a villain, an anti-hero even. It's if you want to have the discussion that Deadpool is is, a, is an anti-hero, first of all, like Joe said, it's very much about the writing. It's very much dependent. The, the, the movie version of Deadpool is not even an anti-hero. He's a completely a hero. But the only thing that would really push him over the edge is that attitude he takes toward doing it, right? He takes a little bit too much joy in killing bad guys. But as far as what he actually does, I mean, there's even... In the comics, Deadpool doesn't even cash any of the checks for his his bounty hunting. He just does it pro bono. He cleans up the world for free, basically. So, but because they have him dancing, laughing, and making jokes while killing people, they want that's an easy way for them to illustrate that he may not be Captain America 2.0. Just like if they give a guy a cigarette back in the day, that was how they could illustrate that this person was self-destructive and thus not the not the ideal that you wanted to strive for. It's just kind of, I think it's kind of a visual way of showing that because unless, for example, I mean, you've got Black Widow, you've got Falcon, you've got Winter Soldier, they all kill people, but it's not like a massive part of their personality. It's not drawn out. It's not, we don't talk about how they kill people all the time in battles, but they do. So you only really talk about it when someone has an aversion to it, like a Superman, like a Batman, like a Daredevil, like a Spider-Man. And as a result, I think that creates kind of a, Puts them on a pedestal, which can be a little bit annoying sometimes, especially if they like look down on other characters, like in in the new Daredevil run where Spider-Man like really looks down on Daredevil yeah. for accidentally killing a criminal who was in the the in the act of I think hurting someone or robbing something, and he it was robbing, yeah, it was robbing somebody, and Daredevil like missed when he threw the baton at his temple and accidentally killed him, and Spider-Man had like the gall to basically say you've lost your touch, it's time for you to hang it up and turn yourself in. It's like Holy frick, are you kidding me? Yeah. Uh, so we've talked a little bit about kind of some of these heroes maybe that have more heroic heroic motives, uh, but maybe do kill here and there. What I want to do now is look at it from the other side of things. We, we did some reading for Thunderbolts, and then I kind of want to tie in some Suicide Squad with that too. We have a group of people who are villainous. We give them a mission, and we give them either lots of money, or we give them a bomb in their head saying it's going to go off if they do anything wrong. They're doing good things, but their motives are, are still terrible. How does that tie into this anti-hero realm? If we put, um, in this case, I want to talk about the Thunderbolts. If we put Bullseye on a team and basically say, point him in the right direction to kill people, does that make him an anti-hero for that specific run? Or is he still a villain? Yeah, I think uh, that's that's a good question. I I still see them as 
well specifically bullseye i still see him as a villain because he's he's the most extreme right like he yeah. he literally says oh i enjoy killing like this is what i want and he's such a loose cannon that even norman osborne's just like we need him in the shadows we only need him you know at the last second if we we have to use him we can't even put him in the public spotlight because we know that the narrative is going to be negative and it's going to kind of give the Thunderbolts a bad rep, right? Yeah, I think if you want to talk about the conversion process, and let's just talk exclusively from villain towards hero, theoretically, if it's a gradual conversion, you would cross into anti-hero space for, for some reasonable amount of time. You take Bullseye, for example, let's say he was even, let's forget the end where he breaks out of his captors, kills both captors, kills a bunch of people just because he can. He was, sure, the motive was bad. The action was like less bad. Um, But no, the, the, the actual change, I mean, doing something with a gun to your head is not, you don't get credit for the action. So I'll be the first to admit, I recommended this run and I don't think it contributed overwhelmingly to our discussion. Yeah. As far as anti heroes. Uh, it, it, the Thunderbolts do a lot of things and there's a lot of different team members. And even among the team that we were reading about, they all had dramatically different approaches to even working for the Thunderbolts. Like I, I almost couldn't keep up with it. I felt like I needed to do a bunch of research because I hadn't heard of a single member of the team besides Bullseye. And then even the Venom that I had heard of, I, I didn't even know that Matt Gargan became Venom and it was that iteration of Venom. So, so really kind of came out of left field for me don't think it was really conducive to this conversation personally. And that's uh, a little bit. Well, on well I don't, I, I don't necessarily agree with that because I will say that this, again, we're going back to the spectrum of, of these antiheroes and each member of, of Thunderbolts and you could say suicide squad as well are on that spectrum, right? With bullseye probably being closer to the villainous side, like Punisher and then you have, I think it was Songbird. Is that her name? Yeah, I think so. So even though she had a very questionable past, she seemed to be the one that was really the glue and really the only kind of silver lining in the Thunderbolts. Well, was right? she a villain before or did she just agree to She work led the team. She led the Thunderbolts before, but did some pretty questionable things. Okay, I was going like, to say, typically the leader of the Thunderbolts is a bona fide hero. It's a Luke Cage or Hawkeye. So that, that that's typically like the one anomaly. So I didn't I didn't know enough about her personally. From Just from what I got from the story, she was basically a fallen hero, right? Because of the, the things that she had done in oh, the past. So I remember now. I forget who she slept with. She slept with somebody. Baron right? Zemo. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. That was really all she did, though. So, like, villain? Anti-hero? <laughs> no, there was something else, I thought. There's, well, she she was, like, manipulated. So it was just, like, a lack of leadership, I think. I could be wrong, though. Oh, right. It would require a deep dive. And that was, like, epi- that was like issue 110. So I do not have any intentions of reading 110 <laughs> issues of fun. It didn't really do it for me, to be honest with you. I love the art. The art, the art was cool. It's a, that's a great period for comics. You get Ellis in there. That was a great. That was a great period. Also, thought I liked Bullseye more than I did. There's nothing he's, there. The yeah, thing with Bullseye. Sorry, really quick. The thing with Bullseye is he's awesome in the Netflix season three. They did such a good iteration, but anything else, he's awful. There's just nothing great about him. Nothing I didn't realize how dark he was. Like, 
it's kind of yeah it's like he's like venom dark but without you're just blaming blaming him as a person you're not blaming venom as a symbiote that's enhancing that yeah true it's like oh darkness. why are you like this there's nothing chemically wrong with you you're just a psychopath <laughs> like Cletus Cassidy before the symbiote. <laughs> yeah, for real. Like no excuses, buddy. You were in prison before the symbiote found you. Also, uh, really quick rabbit hole. I will never get over his design. I think it is the most stupid costume in the world. Bullseye we're going to do for a guy's name Bullseye. We're going to put him in a black costume and we're going to put a target on his forehead. That seems but like a great kinda, idea. It actually looks kind of cool. And, it, and it's I cool. I hate it. Isn't it from... Well, we watched the Netflix show. So in his backstory, Bullseye was like a super promising baseball player. He was a pitcher. Obviously, it makes sense. He can hit wherever he wants. Give him and, a baseball cap then. Okay, that's that's cheap looking. Um, you Arsenal. hate Bullseye, but you're going to give him a baseball hat. Well, Arsenal, whatever. Um, but I think, well, at least in the Netflix show, his design is inspired by that uniform when he threw yeah. the ball at his coach and accidentally killed him. Moving on from kind of Thunderbolts, we talked a little bit about them. Uh, want to talk about kind of another aspect to this, which is the establishment of a moral code. So if a hero has a moral code, or in some instances, there's a lot of quote-unquote villains that have a moral code, does the idea of having a moral code and having lines that you won't cross automatically make you more of an anti-hero and stem you away from the villain. Um, specifically, for me, I'm referring to Captain Cold in the Flash series. He won't kill somebody. He'll rob and he'll do anything else, but he won't kill people. Or Doctor Doom, who is basically saying, I'll do anything I can as long as it's for the good of Latvia. Uh, what's your take on that? Yeah, those are two really good examples, especially because Doctor Doom, it's like outside of the country he runs, like nobody likes him, right? But everybody yeah. adores him in the country that he's in. And I do think that it's interesting because moral codes, as I mentioned before with like Batman, when, when they're to a fault, it actually does more damage than it does do good. And then kind of this argument with anti-hero, because it's such, there's so many grays and it's such a large spectrum, I almost feel like you'd have to break it up into like, uh, four sections so the far let's say like the far left being like super villain and then you have an anti-villain anti-hero and then a hero right and i know that a, a lot of that doesn't make sense but i do uh, maybe we'll get into this later but um kind of like the new trend um especially with movies today and tv shows is leaning more towards that like anti-villain aspect of it dr dr doom again being like a great example because even though he's doing good his motives and his code may not necessarily look great in the public eye yeah and i think if you're gonna gray up the heroes because that's what people want to see the natural process would include graying down the villains right everyone's a little bit more gray it's not quite as clear and i think disney is making a pretty big effort to do that i think carly was a great example i think even thanos they tried to throw a decent motive behind yeah. i want to kill half the world uh, it was a terrible argument but but it, it was somewhat defensible um depending on you know obviously he was a different being entirely i don't think so moral code is mostly about perspective 
And I mean, depending on your religion, you know, some religions don't do things that other religions allow, right? Um, so, you know, if someone's religion didn't forbid them from doing something that mine did, I wouldn't be, it wouldn't be reasonable to judge them for that. And I don't know if this is the best comparison, but let's say one religion says you not to drink alcohol. Someone doesn't belong to your faith and drinks alcohol. It's like, that's their own personal moral code. So within reason, moral codes are subjective. Obviously there's some major ones like don't kill people, like innocent people and don't hurt people. But I think just a moral code in general is not enough to make a decision based off of that. Just having some kind of code, I would say it keeps you from being just a complete psychopath and a lunatic, but I don't think that's enough to work with. And, and to Joe's point as well, I think it's a classic, all virtues become vices in excess. If you're too rigidly attached to any moral code, you, it may push you to do the wrong thing. And I, I think the Punisher is a good example of that. You know, he kind of looks at murderers and says, well, murderers should die. But then he's so attached to that idea that it became like, I mean, for him, I think it becomes like all criminals must die or something. I mean, he basically just like goes around exterminating criminals. I don't even know what his threshold is for crime committed. It's pretty low. And, and I think that's a good example of how a moral code doesn't really by itself put you in any category. The, the other argument to that, too, is because moral codes are subjective, but they're also influenced by our society and the time that we live in. And those are forever, forever changing. Right. So. As stated before, heroes represent what a society should aspire to be. And so those moral codes are going to change over time, right? Captain America is a, a good example of that, of, of being a soldier. I mean, he was created during World War II, um, was for, I mean, a soldier. It was very much the mentality of us versus them. Um, and so these characters, I do think, have to evolve. And with that evolution, so does the the code of ethics that they live by. Um, and then again, going back, I know that we're kind of repeating it, but when you have a character that doesn't develop or doesn't change those, those moral codes, um, I do think that that's when they kind of fall from the definition of hero to anti-hero. That's, that's actually an interesting point because I would Tell me if this makes sense. I would almost argue the opposite when we look at Captain America and just from our discussions that have happened on, you know, on the podcast, you look at Captain America and for the most part Cyclops over the, the stories that we've read and we look at them and we say their inability to budge from their, their moral code is a flaw, right? So I would, I would almost, I, I would just say that I like anti I think we all like anti-heroes because they are evaluating and they are looking at things not in they are not in a vacuum and not with a sense of moral absolutism. If if I had to guess how I would say comics will progress and how I'd like them to progress, I would say in 10 years there's very few characters out there that work in moral absolutes. Now that doesn't mean that everyone needs to have an anger issue like John Walker and beat people up, but the comic world doesn't need more people who refuse to, to bend the rules ever, even when the greater good is at stake. Yeah. And I think it defines kind of where we're at in the world right now too, where the biggest thing the world needs right now is flexibility and more people in the middle. I think with a lot of the issues that we face in today's world are due to the fact that people won't come down and take a chance to look at things from the other perspective. Uh, going back to 
the Falcon and Winter Soldier, I like that Sam tells Carly, I can see where you're coming from. I, I, I appreciate where you're coming from. It's just your way of doing it is not going to work. One thing that I wanted to kind of go back to, too, is talking about villains and where they come from when they have changed quite a bit, especially I think MCU does a good job with this, uh, trying to take characters that in the comics like Thanos are pretty boring. I want to conquer the universe and say, okay, how can we make that a little bit more approachable? I am a huge fan of give me a villain that I can get behind. Give me a villain that I can at least say, I understand why he did that. Uh, I think Thanos is a stretch again because murdering half the world to start over is pretty bad, but there are other heroes. Uh, the one I always go back to, I think Rachel Wu is interesting uh, in the comics and in Dark Knight or Batman Begins, I should say, is this idea that if I can bring down the infrastructure of the politics and recreate it, that might work. Uh, it's, it's, it, I understand what he's saying. The world's messed up. Let's see if I can, I can reform it or Dr. Doom with Latvia the same way. I may be a dictator, but I'm a good one. <laughs> I can do good things as the dictator of this country. Uh, with that said, with the heroes, on the other side of things, I agree with what Trey said that moving forward, I want to see more characters stepping off their pedestal. When I think of, honestly, the more we have these types of discussions, when I think of the most idealistic hero that I think should kind of be the standard, uh, not for an anti-hero, but for a hero, I really think Wonder Woman is such a great example because she's not motivated by a moral code that she won't cross over like Batman where it says, I'll do anything but kill to accomplish and make sure Gotham's in a good state. She's saying, I stand for truth, just truth. As long as that gets across and I can deliver that to the world, I'm willing to do what it takes to do that. And nobody questions her on that. Well, I would question that speech at the end of Wonder Woman 1984. Well, we, we don't talk about 1984. <laughs> I just mean that was all about truth. And I was like, I mean, that's a great, like, that's a good tagline. But like, what does it actually mean? It was like, that. I would say that was right on par with Sam. It was just like, do better. Yeah. Tell the truth. <laughs> okay thanks let me go apply that to all of the problems in the world like i agree with you though i mean i think i think she, in general she is a, a good example of that and i do like watching her try to solve problems because there's an introspection there's an there's a she takes into account the things that are around her other people you watch batman solve a problem and it's like everyone in the world could come to the same conclusion that killing the joker is the only way to do it it's not even a bad thing to do and he won't do it. And I'm like, well, I don't have any time. I don't have time for you, Batman, because like, what, <laughs> what are you actually trying to accomplish here? I mean, Arkham has got to be like the least competent prison in the world. And yet he's like, no, no, I'll just put him back. You know, it's fine. It won't, he won't get out this time. Yeah. So if, if I could, I, I'd like to have kind of a discussion on some characters that we really quickly throw anti-hero in front of. But I'm not 100 percent sure they're deserving. So I, the first one, I want to Harley Quinn. Not 100% sure Harley Quinn is actually an anti-hero. She's popular, she's sexy, people like her, they dress up as her. But other than people liking her, I don't know what it is that she's done to deserve being an anti-hero. Just because she's like less evil than the Joker? I mean, that's basically why she's allowed to be considered an anti-hero. We, we keep coming back to this word, but perspective. I think it's because of the way her character was written, you do have a lot of sympathy for her. And so labeling someone that has been through such an abusive, a, a psychologically abusive relationship as a straight villain. And we could say the same thing for Poison Ivy, who's also gone through um, 
abusive relationships and kind of psychological torture, not probably not to the extreme of Harley Quinn, but nonetheless. And so I think it's kind of that, that especially the way that they're written, it's that human side of empathizing or even sympathizing with them as far as not labeling someone that's gone through so much trauma as just straight villainous. Yeah, with, with Harley Quinn, I think she is a good example because she definitely is considered an anti-hero by modern standard. But I, I do see where you're coming from, Trey, where she really hasn't done that much good. Uh, most of the good that she has done, obviously on Suicide Squad, she was a big part of that for a while, um, especially due to Margot Robbie. Uh, I still think, I think JoJo hit it on the point that it's her progress. We're seeing her move towards becoming a hero. Uh, I think Heroes in Crisis is a great way of, of classifying her as an anti-hero by trying to clear her own name. She's there to basically solve the murder, um, solve the mystery of how all these people died in order to clear her own name. I think that fits perfectly as an example of an anti-hero because it is uh, the motives versus methods. Her method was to solve the crime. That was what she was trying to accomplish. It's just her motives were very selfish. So I think there are stories that she's able to be classified as that. And again, anytime there's a character that I think people are really trying to relate to, I think the writers adjust and they have to take a step back and say, okay, people are starting to like this character. Do we want to keep her in this villain role? Or do we want to try to make her someone that, that more people are going to relate to? And in the case of Harley Quinn, they were like, she'll do better as an anti-hero because more people will relate to her. And that's exactly what's happened. So. So I think this characterization of, well, okay, Harley's not 100% evil, so she must be an anti-hero, is a result of a lazy classification of, like Joe said earlier, villains and heroes. There should be shades in there. Like, it seems dumb, but let's say you had super villain and superhero, then you had hero and villain, then you had anti-hero, right? Then you had this whole gray area. But like, you're right she's not the joker right but the joker is not the standard for all villains like all villains are not the joker right they don't just put bombs in people's stomachs just to send a message to batman like that's an extreme even within an extreme so i get that she's not there but what i'm saying is everything she's done at is out of self-preservation and i'm sorry but if the movie is accurate and the suicide squad operates because there's bombs in their heads then they don't really get credit for doing any of those things because they didn't really have a choice right it's all about agency so with her agency, she's done like literally a handful of good things. And I, I agree, she's on her way to being less evil. But is she, is she currently an anti-hero? I'm not sure. And I think we're just really generous with that label is all I'm trying to say. So what about the end of Invincible? Where is Omni-Man sit? There's no way he's an anti-hero. I know right there's no way he's, he's an anti-villain no he's a super villain with decent motives which no. makes it confusing super villains don't cry as they fly <laughs> away thinking about their son hitting the look ball look at thanos what did it cost you it cost me everything single tier yeah he's not a super villain he's an anti-villain you take go watch Hold First on. of all, go watch him snap I'm... and watch the blip happen. Joe watch Omni-Man murder it. people with his son's body. <laughs> like, Under... That's not a heroic thing to do. This, But this, is, this goes back to what I was discussing earlier of this trend. The trend used to be anti-hero. This was centered around all of the biggest TV shows. So this is, this is my 
kind of pop culture plug in here. All the biggest shows of the last couple decades, the protagonists are anti-heroes. You've got Breaking Bad, you've got Mad Men, you've got uh, Dexter, you've got, you can even say, um, yeah, you have House, you have um, all of these shows, the top show, The Sopranos, right? Like these shows where all of them are anti-heroes, right? And now it's almost becoming tropey. And so now they're leaning towards anti-villains. And my argument is like Thanos. Define anti-villain because because anti-hero by definition is any protagonist that doesn't have all of the heroic traits. So so you're right. Those are all anti-heroes by definition, unless, I mean, I don't know how the guy from Breaking Bad is not just a straight villain, but, but give <laughs> us your definition for anti-villain then. I think, yeah, that's a really good question. Dr. Doom to me would be an anti-villain. It's like so, they have a couple of decent qualities, but they're Magneto where they're in the... Their, their means are not justifiable. Another really good example, Killmonger, right? And in the end, Killmonger technically wins, even though he died, but his belief basically wins out because they realize in Wakanda, like, yeah, we shouldn't have been just pretending to be this, this nation that didn't have all of these resources. So we should, you know, we should do better. We should be able to go out and, and, use these resources to better the world right so that was me, killmonger's vote motive so let me all right so let me recap then and tell me if i got what you're saying right hero villain are the extremes there's a there's a midway point and if you skew closer to hero or villain without fully being one or the other you are anti-hero or you are anti-villain respective to where you're where you're leaning is that so an anti-hero leaning villain by the old definition, but closer to villain would now be an anti-villain. Yes, because I, I still that. believe. I think that's yeah, because I think that the anti-hero is still too too grave an area, as we discussed before. Like putting Deadpool and the Punisher in the same category, yeah, doesn't work. That's a great definition. I think it still brings up the same, which is actually very interesting. We've redefined it in a very good way, and yet we're presented with the same conversation we were going to have. When are your actions, your methods so grotesque that it doesn't matter what your motive is? Does that make sense? When it outweighs, yeah. it's a scale, right? And if you're anywhere near balance, you sit in that anti-category. But if your methods grossly outweigh your motivations, where do you become a villain? And is that, that's the threshold we're talking about? So for example, I would argue that I respect your definition of anti-villain, but I would say Thanos killed so many people that he flipped. And he's an he's a villain. But okay, so then to that with that same argument, you can't consider the Thor a hero or even an anti-hero. I texted you and told you Why? that he's not a hero. What do you mean you can't throw that in my face? No, no, no. I'm saying in general, <laughs> you not you specifically, the writers, Joe's everyone big, else. Joe's Thor, on a big Thor genocide trend right now. Yeah, Thor, Thor and Odin commit ge absolute genocide to the equivalent that Thanos <laughs> did. For what? So that they can grow their empire, they can expand their kingdom. It, yeah, but and... it was thousands of years ago. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Well, we can't, yeah, that's... I mean, yeah. That's I guess a, so. Slippery slope. Yeah. yeah. Plus, if, but, you, that... if you believe the MCU reboot, it was uh, Hella. Because <laughs> right. Chris Hemsworth would never. 
I guess that's true. But I mean, Odin is still thrown in there, and he'd be yeah. considered a hero. Oh yeah, Odin's a douche. <laughs> yeah. Well, and but I that's, think that's just the argument that I'm making, right? Is this like, and this goes back to what we were talking about: killing, killing. I think falls under every single category, whether it's superhero or supervillain, everyone's going to kill, whether that's a human life or whatever else. You, I just don't think that killing is, is something that you would use to measure someone's morality on this scale. But it's hard not to when you, when you have some scenes that are so grotesque, like Trey's talking about. It's like, if I were to make an argument that Omni-Man is a hero to the Viltrumites because of the way he's trying to infiltrate the system. Yeah, for them, from their perspective, he's doing a good job. He's trying to get his son involved. But from the human perspective, I just, I can't get the, the subway scene out of my head. Well, There's no, no I mean, way I can ever call him a hero. Well, all right. Or an well, anti-villain. Well, even. easy there, sport. We got two more seasons, okay? And you're reading really slowly. <laughs> so you just keep your opinion fluid, okay? But that, okay, let's let's talk his motive is to prepare the earth for Viltrumite takeover okay his methods that's not even contributing to the Viltrumite takeover that's what was so ridiculous of it it didn't even have an effect him holding mark in front of a subway did not further prepare the earth for Viltrum takeover and it's a creative liberty that really bothers me because if you look at Omni-Man in the comics Sure, I, I'm sure some people died when he was fighting Mark because a building fell down. But he did not make a point of crushing people's faces, right? So you're, you're, yes, I think comic book Omni Man sits squarely in anti-hero range. I would I'll buy that. Not even an anti-villain. And I think it was lazy, again, that the writers forced us to feel a certain way about him because that was a it was a fascinating internal struggle that they hinted at, and then they were like, well. Let's say you try to empathize with them. Well, can you empathize with this face squish? My wife and I watched something the other day and it was a show that I think it's Cobra Kai. Maybe I can't remember where it's straight up. They're not telling you who is the good or the bad guy. They're letting you decide. And I was like, dang, I like that. My wife and I can have a discussion over who we relate to more because they, they let us do that. I want to have a discussion about, well, can I see where Omni-Man is coming from? Can I see where John Walker is coming from? If you keep writing these characters into a hole, like there's nothing for us to talk about. Lazy. Yeah, again, it's all it's all about perspective. But we as humans are quick to forget. So when season two comes out of Invincible, maybe our tempers <laughs> won't be as explosive and and he comes back as an anti-hero like he does in the comics. I feel like that was a shot at me. So I apologize for my outburst. <laughs> can I do can I do one more, Jojo? I mean, yeah, of course. Time. All right, I got an interesting one that after all my research, I don't know how I feel about it. Loki. Why? He's only an anti-hero because he, Tom Hiddleston's very handsome. No, he's an anti-villain in my opinion. Yeah, I would say like, anti-villain. He's done like two good things ever, right? I mean, literally, one, one of them was like bringing a spaceship back for, for his <laughs> brother. That was it. And we're basically, <laughs> I, we're like, he got his own TV show. <laughs> Here's Just because people love him. He's, he's written <laughs> to be a paradox. He's the god of mischief, right? So you know that in the end, if he's the god of mischief, he's going to do bad. Like th that's going to be the end result. You can't that's be funny. considered you can't be considered a god if you're not portraying oh, the no. very characteristic that you're the god of, right? But they're worried, but they're worried that people won't buy the t-shirts and the water bottles if 
but don't... again, it goes it goes back to that trend of the anti-villain is you give people just enough for them to find a sliver of hope or whatever else in that character so that you can buy their products. <laughs> what what so but but the real is okay. So if if we weren't let's call this meta gaming, right? We're trying to elevate ourselves above the page and look into the minds of the writers. That is the only thing we have that indicates that he's not basically a straight up villain. Because being a villain does not mean you've never done anything good in your entire life, right? So the life of a villain could very easily include one time bringing a spaceship back for your brother. Run. That's well within like the realm of, of you could still be a villain. So where are all these other actions that were supposed to equate with him being an anti-hero? He's almost now a hero. Like that's almost where people are putting him, but I'm not, I don't, based on the MCU and based on some reading, I don't see it at all. Well, I would say it's almost tropey for the villain to do a couple of good acts here and there. It happens all the time. It's one of those classic tropes you do where, oh, the villain and the hero have to work together to accomplish a common goal. I mean, we saw it even in Falcon and Winter Soldier. Um, I see it. I talked about it in our first episode with with Godspeed going to help Flash out or even Captain Cold sometimes helps Flash out. You see it with Lex Luthor sometimes. So you see these times where a villain steps down from that villainish role because they realize, okay, I have to step into another role in order to eventually accomplish my goal. So it's hard to define that so does so does one let's just say let's oversimplify does one good act make a villain an anti-hero or an anti-villain no okay so does one bad act take a hero down here we go you know this is going right jojo go wherever i want it to go I it's gonna go with <laughs> john walker killing somebody with a shield that's exactly i am the captain now it. no it's not if it's a, no but i mean that's like that's the thing that happens all the time in comics i wasn't gonna yeah. i was gonna let you guys get there on your own I mean, but that's the question so you're saying you responded very quickly that one good act by a villain does not make an anti-villain nor an anti-hero why is the bar so much higher does one bad act make a hero no longer a hero who's worthy of redemption because it goes back to portraying what society aspires to be. So that's why the scales tipped more um, lenient, I would say, to villains doing something good than it is for someone that is at a higher standard to do something bad, right? We see it in politics all the time and we see it over uh, the decades, we as citizens, trust less and less in politicians why because we do feel that they should be they should be upheld at a, at a higher standard and when things like the watergate scandal happen then that's a massive blow to not that specific person but to the system in itself right yeah i agree yeah. i love the comparison i guess it's just interesting that you basically, you know, especially in the world of comics, you, you you have like one event that will forever kind of remove you from that hero status. It's just an interesting, it's an interesting perspective that we have. And I agree with you when you say the scales are tipped and more heavily skewed, but that is all I had as far as character comparisons and discussions. I think that's probably four of the most relevant anti-villain, anti-hero debates. Those characters are all pretty relevant right now. So thanks guys. Yeah. I do like that. So, I mean, we, we, this is a very, very uh, complex topic because it is so subjective and it's ambiguous. And 
um, different perspectives, different opinions. So in the end, why does it matter? Or does it matter, right? And so some of the things that I thought about as we were having kind of this discussion and doing my research is with these characters, you know, we we're labeling them. We're labeling them supervillains or superheroes or heroes, villains, whatever you have. Um, labels don't really exist in real life. And when they do, it's always in a negative context, right? When we label people, we see that in the media. When we when we label a certain people or we label certain things, it, it never looks good because we're all different, right? And we're not just one thing all the time. So I guess in that, in that sense, it doesn't really matter. But then again, because this is literature and this is entertainment and this is comics, it, as we've discussed, creates a scale with endless possibilities and opportunities for progression of characters, regression of characters, but also the introduction of new characters that kind of fit within that, that, that realm, right? Captain America, the US agent, um, and then what we just read in Thunderbolts with uh, Jack Flag, right? There's variants of these characters that have different moral codes or on a different level. Same with Batman, right? You could argue all the Robins. Um, they kind of water down and take bits of Batman, but they turn it into totally different standards and different ethic codes from one another. Um, and so that makes it exciting. It makes it exciting for us to, to you know, receive the things that may, may be expected and then flip it on its head and totally unexpected, like Cobra Kai. I grew up watching the Karate Kid movies and I absolutely love them. And it is very black and white. And you watch Cobra Kai and you're just like, whoa, this is crazy. It is so cool to take something that was so black and white, flip it on its head. And as Trey said, turn it into something where it's just like, it's so ambiguous and you could really, you could really lean for describing any one of those characters as good or bad. And you wouldn't be able to label them because in the next episode, they're going to do something that'll totally surprise you and, and tip the scales the other way. Team Johnny. Yes. Team Johnny. All the way. Realist person on TV right now, if we're being honest. He's going to go watch Cobra Kai. <laughs> yes. It's actually pretty good. Here, here's the thing. And this is, sorry, this is a little bit of a tangent, but I'll bring it back. It is so beyond cheesy, but it is just so good as far as taking a concept that was very well established. And it's, I mean, it's an old movie, right? So this, I get this is kind of like a rebranding and introducing these characters to a uh, new generation stuff, but to the writing is just really, really impressive. And I think what I had mentioned earlier, that's the trend that we're, we're looking at is these anti-heroes or anti-villains. Um, you, you don't know, you don't know how to judge someone. And that's, that's the equivalent of how it is in real life, right? We, we could all agree and say lying is a terrible thing. Does that mean that we're honest 100% of the time? No. Does that mean that um, when we do lie, it's, because we're doing it to be malicious or evil? No, sometimes it has to do with our own insecurities or other character flaws. And I think that's the beauty of, of talking about this and, and deep diving into these anti-hero, anti-villain discussions and what makes them be that way. Because yeah, it's the equivalent of every person on earth.
And if you held a gun to my head and asked me to oversimplify the concept of being an anti-hero, I think probably Johnny is the best example. I think you look at somebody whose methods waver between good and bad, but the motivation is to be a better person. And there's an internal struggle. And I think that's something we didn't touch on today, but I think is important. I think the internal struggle with the, with the verbalized, actualized goal of becoming a better person is extremely important. I think going back to Falcon Winter Soldier, I think, Carly didn't really have that. I think she, she kind of got worse and there wasn't, it didn't, it feel like she was like, okay with what she'd done and was willing to do more. Right. That's kind of where her arc ended. She was willing to actually take things even farther than she had previously where it juxtaposed against like a John Walker who made a mistake, but ended his arc climbing. Right. There was an internal struggle. He was clearly not okay with what he'd done and was trying to improve. So the, meth- the, the methods can waver, right? That's typical anti-hero stuff. The motivation should be trending toward trying to be a better person. And I think the internal struggle is something that's really important because if there's no internal struggle, then you're probably a villain, right? If that's not portrayed on screen, then it's not, you're not going to be able to relate to that person. Yeah, I think that's a really a good, good way to end off is this idea of the internal struggle and where they're ending. Even with Holly Quinn, we talk about that. Where is she going to be five years from now? Where is she going to be 10 years from now? And that's what I love about this new kind of way we're defining anti-villains and anti-heroes. The fluidity between the two is amazing. I look at characters. One that I love is Arsenal, who started out as just a sidekick. Now he's pretty settled in an anti-hero role. And I just, I like the idea of seeing them progress from one to the other and kind of settle down in a position and showing where they end up and why they get to that, that moral standpoint. I like it. I'm... This discussion was great. I, I mean, there's so much to, to kind of unfold and maybe we'll have a future discussion <laughs> and we'll, we'll change our minds on, on some of the things we said. But um, yeah, I think that's a, that's a great way to, to end it. And uh, keep, a, keep a lookout for that anti-villain tag to get thrown around on some of those character spotlights. And just remember that you heard it here first and we're going to be filing some paperwork to make sure that stays protected. <laughs> <laughs> all right guys thanks so much for joining us this week we hope you enjoyed the new format we look forward to discussing some some pretty intense topics in the future and we hope to have you back next week thanks thanks, thanks.